south of the border, down Mexico way. That's where I fell in love when the stars above came out to play. And now as I wander. Hello there, all you expat wannabes. I'm Johnny Mueller, and you're listening to The Expat Files, Living in Latin America, the show that tells you just what it's like to live, work, play, and or retire down here in Latin America. It's a mix of the good, the bad, the ugly, and the great, and it's all right here, so let's get started. There are lots of crazy things here in Latin America, things that'll strike you and me kind of weird anyway, gringos and expats, but to Latinos, perfectly normal and not even worth commenting on. Now, when I first got down here, once in a while I'd run into a girl, not a guy, a girl, with sort of strange-looking eyes, sort of an unnatural bluish color, kind of like the eyes you see in some of those demon or zombie movies. Not a bad look, just a different look, really different. Soon enough, I figured out that Latinos were buying contact lenses of a different color. Of course, the vast majority of them did not need eye correction at all. They only did it to get bluish-colored eyes. Because, you know, down here in Latin America, having blue eyes is like winning the lottery. In fact, I was just having that very conversation the other day with a morena Latina. That'd be a Latina of kind of a dark color. Morena or morenita is not tan, but it's not black. Sort of in between. You know how you kind of picture the average Mexican-looking guy? That's morena. However, if you're down here a long time in Latin America, you'll realize there's not just one morena or moreno if it's a guy. There are three different shades of moreno or morena. Morena clara, which is light-skinned morena. That'd be like a white gringo or gringa with a nice tan. Then there's moreno, straight moreno or morena. It's a kind of a darker coffee color that no white gringo or gringa could ever achieve with a tan. Your average pasty white gringo would burn first. Then there's what you call a moreno oscuro, dark tan. Less black than a black American. But nevertheless, pretty dark. Anyway, I was talking to this girl about prejudice in Latin America. She said, yes, yes, it certainly exists. If you notice, she says, if you look at any big corporations, all the top guys are tall and white. Then she repeated something that I knew already. She said, every family has a kid with green eyes or light skin or hair that's not quite black. By the way, it's a funny thing down here. If if someone's born with hair that's not quite black, us gringos just call that kind of hair brown. The crazy thing here in Latin America is that if a person does not have pure black hair, Latinos and Latinas refer to him or her as blonde. The word is rubio for a guy, rubia for a girl. Even dark brown, Latinos will refer to that person as rubia or blonde. I've heard that expression so many times myself. For example, when some Latina is talking about their aunt, uncle, or a kid, they'll try to explain what he looks like. They'll say he's tall or fat or whatever. If his or her hair is not jet black, they'll point out that the person's blonde. Then they'll show you a picture or two of that guy on their phone, and you, the gringo, will be thinking, that guy's not blonde. He's got dark brown hair. Turns out Latinos and Latinas have a completely different image when it comes to hair color, eye color, skin color than we gringos and expats. It's confusing at first, but hey, you're living in their world, right? By the way, lots of things in our stateside world, our gringo world, are very confusing to Latinos, and you can't really explain it to them in a way that they'll get it. Like, for example, Washington. You know, in the States, there's Washington State and Washington, D.C. Try to explain what that's all about to Latinos. They just don't get it. Worse yet, try to explain why the symbol for the Democratic Party is a donkey and Republicans an elephant. 
crazier yet. You know, when people say the United States is supposedly democratic, there exists the Democrat Party and the Republican Party. Democracy, Democrats, to Latinos, completely confusing. Where shit is impossible to explain the difference between the Democrat and Republican Party. We know there's not a spit's worth of difference. They're both corrupt cesspools. Trying to explain it all to someone who's never lived up in the States is totally confusing. Now, when Latinos ask me those questions, I just tell them both parties suck. I wouldn't vote for any of them. But I digress. Where were we? Oh, yeah. Talking about Latinos with blonde hair. So then what do they call people who've got really blonde hair? Very light hair? Which almost never happens in real life down here in Latin America. Though, of course, many of us gringos and Europeans are actual blondes. They call us rubio claro. That means very clear blondes. Claro means clear. Same as the biggest telephone and internet company called Claro. C-L-A-R-O. Clear. So anyway, when you're down here in Latin America, be prepared to meet the fair-haired kid or person in the family. Every family has one. He or she's the one everyone dotes on, the prince or princess of the family, simply by virtue of the fact they were born with green eyes or blonde hair, which isn't really blonde, or simply lighter skin than the rest of the family. Which brings us back to eyes. About those sort of alien, funky-looking eyes. Down here in Latin America, about 10 or 15 years ago, changing your eye color was a big fashion statement. Lots of teenage and 20-something Latinas were buying these contacts that made their eyes look blue. But not really a deep blue like a person who's got real blue eyes. Because, you know, a contact lens is very, very thin, so you got no depth. It's like looking at a picture in your home or a museum. It's impossible to make a picture look absolutely real, 3D, because it's not. It's painted on a two-dimensional surface. Still, those contacts do change the color and make your eyes look blue, though not quite natural. It's obvious and slightly distracting, but not ugly. Just different. Now, knowing personally a couple of Latinas who've used those things over the years, most of them, after a couple of months, just quit doing it because it fatigues your eyes, they say. Personally, I don't even know how people put up with contact lenses. I have really sensitive eyes. Just a steady breeze will sometimes make my eyes water. And knowing people who wear contact lenses 24-7, I guess the newer ones you can, because they're permeable, they're porous, not solid like the older types. Still, just thinking about it sometimes makes my eyes water. So anyway, I found that Latinas who use those things seem to only wear them on special occasions because they're hard on your eyes too. Which is why you see fewer and fewer Latina ladies using those things. Seems most of them who gave it a try 5, 10, 15 years ago have thrown in the towel and now they're in the junk drawer. Along with her collection of cheap broken watches, flip phones, and damaged jewelry. However, as fashion and techniques to upgrade a person cosmetically march on, there's a brand new but somewhat revolting development in the never-ending quest for Latinos and Latinas to achieve blue, gray, and or green eyes. Well, as it turns out, doctors in the U.S. have invented a technique called keratopigmentation. Keratopigmentation. And guess who's flying to the States to have it done? Wealthy Latinas who always wanted blue, green, or gray eyes. I say wealthy Latinas because it ain't cheap. I'm looking at their website right now. It says, revolutionize your appearance with keratopigmentation, a state-of-the-art technique that alters your eye color permanently and safely. Completely different from iris implants, laser depigmentation, or eye tattooing. Our unique keratoprocedure procedure keeps your eyes intact, eliminating intraocular complications. 
It says our advanced laser crafts fine intercoronial tunnels where special pigments are introduced. This changes your natural eye color without pain. All under the effect of topical anesthetic. It says get an appointment. Transform your look now. Ew, sounds horrible, doesn't it? And it ain't cheap. Man, what some people won't suffer for beauty, huh? The big question is, is it really safe? And who do you know personally who would ever want to undergo something like that? Did you have any friends or neighbors who bemoaned the fact that they had brown eyes? I had lots of brown-eyed friends and acquaintances in the old neighborhood up in Chicago, and no one ever complained about it. For example, in my family, in my neighborhood too, up in Chicago, lots and lots of people had blonde hair, blue eyes, or very light gray eyes. And guess what? All the years I lived there, I never heard anyone brag about their kid having blue eyes or blonde hair or extra white skin. In fact, I heard people complain about it. You have extra white skin, you get sunburned extremely easy, prone to skin cancer too. Not to mention the lighter your eyes, the more blue they are, the more sensitive, even intolerant you are to bright sunlight. So in a way, up in the States where I come from anyway, white skin, blue eyes, blonde hair, Sort of worked against you if you spent a lot of time outdoors. However, down here in Latin America, if a kid has just one of those qualities, lighter skin, blonder hair, or lighter colored dyes, that kid becomes the prince or princess of the family. In fact, I see that in action all the time. You should hear when older Latinas get together how they cackle and swoon about the kid in the family with blonde hair, light skin, or green eyes. So then what about blue-eyed Latinos? Well, there's only two ways to have blue eyes if you're a Latino. Number one, your parents weren't Latino. They were either from the States or Europe. Or number two, you had something done to your eyes. By the way, there are no pure blonde-haired Latinos either, unless their parents were gringos or Europeans. Though I know some of you listeners out there will disagree with me. You'll say, hey, look, Johnny, I've been to Latin America. I've seen some blonde-haired Latinas with light skin. There's way more of them than you think. Well, I beg to differ. It can be proven that 999 out of 1,000 Latina ladies with blonde hair came out of a bottle. By the way, if you look it up, you'll find out it's genetically impossible for a person with brown eyes or very dark eyes to have natural blonde hair. That does not happen genetically. Look it up. That's a very easy way to tell if a person with blonde hair came about it naturally. Look at the eye color. Perfect example, Shakira. She's always got blonde hair. And she's a very light-skinned person too. And you're thinking maybe because her dad is from Europe. She got that trait from him. Wrong. They're brown, brown, brown. That means she's a bottle blonde. Hey, I'm not knocking it. Nothing against changing your hair color at all. It's a woman's prerogative, man. They just love to change their look. And us guys, we really like and appreciate when they do that. However, I don't know what makes you think blue, pink, or green hair, multiple tattoos, and nose rings are attractive. It's a signal, all right? The signal of a double-digit IQ. Though I could be wrong. Who knows? Now, just as an aside here, my personal opinion, ladies, Short hair on women rarely turns a guy on. I'm not saying it can't be a good look if you've got the face and head for it, but realistically, it almost never adds points to a woman's overall score in the mind of a guy. Just saying. I mean, when guys get together, we talk about things like that. And of course, when the ladies get together, they talk about our qualities and shortcomings too. Like, for example, how many nose rings and tattoos are just one too many. By the way, that permanent eye color surgery runs between five and 6000 bucks. So you're never going to see the average middle-class Latina on board for that. But man, I'll tell you, Latinas are checking that stuff out on social media and putting it on their wish list. Though I think for now, the only place you can get it done is up in the United States. 
But mark my words, it's coming soon here to Latin America. It might even be here already. In certain countries where plastic surgery is a major industry, like Brazil, Colombia, Venezuela, and Argentina. Oh, and by the way, when checking out this website, there are lots of colors to choose from. You got blue, green, violet, gray, amethyst, and hazel. Though 90% of the ladies select pure blue. I know, I know, for all you gringos and expats listening to this, you're thinking, that's quite a stretch. Sure, it seems excessive, foolish, even dangerous, right? The thing is, you have to realize that in Latino society, people with pure blue, even green and gray eyes are treated like rock stars. I've been to many parties. I've heard Latinas talk when they get together. The subject of babies and kids always seems to come up. And the kid with the hazel or green eyes is always the favorite and talked about all the time. Having blue or green eyes here in Latin America is a game changer. I've seen how the ladies react. Beautiful Latinas, model material. Married to or going with a short, dumpy, snaggletooth slug who was somehow born with green or hazel eyes. It's just an undeniable fact that Latinas are obsessed with eye color. And I know you longtime listeners have heard me say this before, but I can't tell you how many times I've been in an elevator or sitting in a waiting room or just stuck in a line somewhere where a couple of ladies will say in Spanish, oh, did you see his eyes? In fact, not so long ago, I was walking down the street near a university campus and four or five 30-something ladies, they must have been on lunch break, were walking towards me on the sidewalk, and as they passed, they slowed down for a second, and one of them said right to my face, wow, you have beautiful eyes. That's happened to me so many times I know if I would have stopped and talked to those ladies, I could have invited them out for a coffee right there and got the phone numbers of every one of them who wasn't married. And remember, when I was up in the States, I had rate myself as no more than a six out of 10. Unfortunately, up in the States, sixes attract sixes. And though in today's woke world, this might sound sexist, I'm talking facts now. A gringo who's a six up in the States will have no trouble attracting sevens, eights, and nines here in Latin America. And for all you gringo gonna-bees and wannabes up in the States who'll never pull the trigger, but you still listen to the show because you just might get the hell out of Dodge someday. Sure, you can say to yourself the average gringo, a four, five, or six, has a huge advantage with love and romance here in Latin America. Some assume it's only because Latinas want a gringo's money. That's a common topic amongst gringos here. Well, I'd say that's very true if you're just looking for dates and hookups on Cupid sites. It's certainly more true in places flooded with gringos like Costa Rica, Cancun, and other vacation spots. Money and economics is a factor, I'm not going to lie. Why wouldn't it be, since most Latinas live no better than a trailer court or low-income poverty existence compared to ladies in the States? But I've come to find that the number one reason Latinas like gringos and expats is because we're stereotyped as better men. Seems every Latina has heard stories about how gringos treat their women. So, after they've been cheated on, lied, and abused by their own Latino men, we look like knights in shining armor. I've heard that same story from every single Latina I've ever met. And most Latino men know they will lose out in the competition when there's a gringo around. And believe me, Latino men do not like the competition. Though in most of Latin America, there's so few of us around, we don't make an impact. We don't make a dent. But somehow it doesn't seem to work in reverse. Latina ladies don't harbor any animosity towards American gringas that come down and hook up with their men. The fact is, Latino men will come right out and tell you they'd love to have a gringa girlfriend or wife. In fact, I remember, I think at a wedding or a quinceanera or something, I was talking to a bunch of Latinas. They were saying they don't understand why... More gringos just don't flock down to Latin America because they would have the pick 
of Latin American guys. They certainly have the edge. They could have a rich guy. They could have their pick, a landowner, a business magnate. Even if she's short and plump, if she's a white-skinned gringo, or better yet, have green or blue eyes, wow, Latinos would be fighting over her. To them, she's a superstar. What a great option for a dumpy, blonde gringa who hasn't much going for her up in the States. You could come on down and hook yourself a rich Latino and live like a queen, but you know, there's a dark side to being hooked up with a Latino. Rich Latinos are no exception. They always have a mistress or two. And most Latinas, since that's happened with their brothers and dads and uncles, tolerate a lot more of that than a gringa will. Their culture has taught them otherwise. They don't put up with that shit. So, gringas, if you hook up with a Latino guy, just remember what you're signing up for. Remember that old saying, a leopard can't change its spots? All right, moving on. You know, some time ago I talked about how there's some gringo blowback going on in certain places in Latin America where the gringos are piling in and the locals are getting restless. We knew that happened in Costa Rica. I used to live there and I used to see the sort of forced smile, you know, where it's not sincere. Though they would diss us behind closed doors, they would never do it to our face because we were the reason for their prosperity, gringo tourism. You don't bite the hand that feeds you, but you can snicker and sneer at them behind their backs. However, these days it looks like in Mexico anyway, there's some real blowback against gringos. In fact, there are some organized protests against gringos going on in Mexico right now. One of our good friend gringo expats from Oaxaca, who occasionally contributes to this podcast because he has lots of good things to say, occasionally bad and ugly things too. He just sent me a very disturbing screenshot of an organized protest going on in Oaxaca against gringos. How about that? Of course, it's in Spanish. Let me read you what it says on this poster. The title says, Oaxaca is for Oaxacans. It's a full-color poster of a devil with a mask on. It says, restrict the gringos. No gentrification. And on the right, in big black letters, it says, no gringos, no whites. The date for the protest against gringos is the 27th of January at 4 p.m. So it happened a couple days ago. It says, come out to defend Oaxaca, our territory, our culture. Come and resist. It says all this in Spanish, of course. Now, if you want to see this announcement for yourself, send me an email, files at gmail.com, and I'll ship it off to you. But seriously, do you want to live in a country, town, city, township, whatever? Where the locals or a segment of the locals actively dislike you? So much so that they're organizing protests, saying they want you to get the hell out? You know, it's really sad. I hate to see this, don't you? Anyway, our gringo friend who sent this to me says, Johnny, if this turns into a state or a national trend, we'll be your new neighbors in Guatemala right quick. He says, I hope it's just misplaced aggression because Oaxaca State is known for its corruption and their own politicians jacking the locals around on everything. The truth is their politicians are their own worst enemy, much more than any random rich Gringos from the north coming down and raising prices by throwing money around. The question is, are we seeing any of this stuff in the rest of Latin America? Well, till now, no. And of course, you've heard me say many times that Latin America is one of the few places left where they love and respect Gringos. I mean, we've got the Gringo advantage going for us. If the locals hated or disliked us, that wouldn't exist. And why the mad rush of illegals invading the states? But, you know, too many gringos, too many of anything, tends to kill the goose that laid the golden egg. Look at the situation with the Venezuelans who are leaving. Six or seven million so far. That diaspora, when it first started happening five or so years ago, it was just a trickle. Five or ten years ago, you almost never ran into a Venezuelan outside their country. And at first, when they started trickling into other Latin countries, everyone gave them a break. 
They were good hard workers. They assimilated nicely until the floodgates were opened. And now the reputation of Venezuelan immigrants has been severely tarnished. You would talk to Latinos on the streets these days, ask them their opinion about Venezuelans. They'll tell you most of the girls are prostitutes and the guys mostly thieves and scoundrels. What a change of heart. That's what seems to happen every time strangers pile into a country when exceeding a certain limit, including gringos and expats. Though they're not calling us thieves and scoundrels, they say we're changing their culture, jacking up the cost of living so they can't live in their own towns and cities anymore. It's a different kind of resentment than the resentment they have for Venezuelans, since Venezuelans arrive poor with no wealth to spread around. Though I do remember a few years back talking to a general contractor who told me he'd much rather hire Venezuelans than any of the locals because they're more educated and work their asses off. And now they're shunning Venezuelans. In just a few short years, man, how times have changed. All right, now I want to give a nice shout out to all you guys and gals out there who over the years have been sending me little remedies and books and links to articles and YouTubes about migraines, the treatment of migraines, that is. I'm sure all you longtime listeners are well aware that I've had a migraine problem all my life. I remember my first migraine when I was 12 years old. It turns out I passed out in front of the Chicago Trib printing office. I had a little after-school job inserting flyers and inserts into the papers coming right off the presses. Those freshly printed papers smelled of ink, and that ink became one of the triggers for my terrible migraines, and I could never go back down to that job again. And when I walked out that day, I passed out in the Chicago Trib doorstep, and a lady helped me. I remember that. And my mom, who'd pick me up after that little job, when she arrived, she saw a lady sitting there next to me. And after that, I'd get at least three terrible migraines a week for the rest of my life. Looking back, I don't know how I sat in those classrooms in university or took the test. Sometimes I'd walk into the bathroom, throw cold water on my face and head, and feel like banging my head against the wall. That's a common thought with migraine sufferers. Back then, they didn't have any treatments for migraine except aspirin and Tylenol. Then, around 1983, I remember this precisely. A new drug came out called Sumatriptan. It was a lifesaver for me. At first, it came out in ampules you had to inject. I had a prescription and injected myself in the leg maybe three times a week. Then, about 1985-86, Sumatriptan came out in pill form called Imitrex. So much better because now I didn't have to inject myself. What a pain that was. So, some 30 years ago, when I first came down to Latin America, I brought with me a nice big stash of a couple of hundred of those pills because the pharmacies here in Latin America, being on lag time, didn't have that stuff yet. Though I'd say by about the year 2000, 23, 24 years ago now, all the pharmacies had the stuff. And it was cheap too because it was generic by then. Maybe a buck a pill. I remember early on when it wasn't generic, it was something like 15 or $20 a pill. And right about then, some more medications came out for migraines that worked rather well. So I continued to get my migraines, about three a week, till about 2017. I know the date, because all of a sudden, I wasn't getting migraines anymore. Didn't have to take those pills. And after about a month or two went by, and I still didn't have a single migraine, I thought, what could be the reason? I still haven't figured it out, and it's been five years since I've had a terrible migraine. I've entertained a few different theories, and one of them is I'm allergic to something that I'm just not coming into contact with anymore. And just recently, more and more, we're starting to hear things about people having terrible reactions to mold in the house. I think you're probably seeing some of the news reports on that, too. Though it could be a reaction to a food allergy. I don't know. All I know is that I don't get migraines anymore, not for the past five years or so. And man, what a lottery win that was for me. By the way, for me, it's genetic. 
My mother had migraines all her life till she went into menopause. Then they went away. And two of my three sisters get terrible migraines and are taking medications for it. In fact, one of my sisters routinely gets Botox shots in her neck. Her migraines are so bad. So it's not as if in my family I'm the Lone Ranger, except I am the Lone Ranger guy. All the other people in my family who get migraines are women. Neither my dad nor my brothers ever got migraines. And we get the kind with the aura, the light sensitivity, photophobia, and the nausea. And if you're wondering how bad they can get, at least four times in my life, I ended up in the emergency room where they had to give me electrolytes. Because with the nausea, sometimes you vomit so much that you throw off your electrolyte balance. Though I remember the last time I ended up in the emergency room was about in 1998 or 9. Anyway, I'd like to thank all you guys and gals out there who have been trying to help me out a bit, sending me links to articles and YouTubes and stuff. But it's not necessary anymore because I haven't had a migraine in five or six years. So with any luck, that's a chapter in my life that has been permanently closed. I don't know how or why, but it is. Though my brother's got a different theory. My brother says my migraines are gone because the brain cells in my head where those migraines originated and set up shop have all died off. Thus, the theory, no brains, no headaches. And if that's true, I'll take the loss of IQ points over the pain of the migraines. That's for sure. All right, let's take this email. It's from Mr. G. He says, Johnny, I'm glad you talked about the topic of wind turbines in Latin America. Thanks for covering it. But as to the comments you made about artificial intelligence and manufacturing, he says, there was an interview last year between Sam Altman of OpenAI, that's the ones who make ChatGPT, referring to Boeing's artificial intelligent program, Boeing Aircraft, using AI for creating a more fuel-efficient plane using the 757 model. He says, with access to a supercomputer in the AI model, it took two weeks for AI to create a 30% more fuel-efficient plane. And, Mr. G says, further to your comments on your podcast, a large reduction in STEM positions, you know, science, technology, engineering, and math jobs. He says, AI will make large reductions in STEM positions in review teams, middle management, even in CEOs. Because what artificial intelligence is really good at, one of its greatest skills is that it does 100% of what a CEO does. Therefore, there will be a second industrial revolution, a manufacturing revolution, which has already started, merging robots, stamping, 3D processing, etc., with less parts and more automated supply chains, offering near-instant on-site delivery further shifting labor and skill markets beyond predictability. Then he signs off. Thanks for doing what you do, Johnny. Signed, Mr. G. Well, thanks for that, Mr. G. And by the way, I'm a thousand percent with the guy who wrote in, I think it was last week, and said, although he always felt it was a great thing to have kids, you know, perpetuate the human race, he says he's not thinking that way anymore. Because before AI, artificial intelligence, you would always be able to take your kid and counsel him and direct him towards a career that would be up to his skills, fulfilling, worthwhile, and produce a decent income. But since AI, that's not true at all anymore. It's a complete crapshoot as to what the future is going to look like for your kids. In fact, for anyone who's got young kids right now, the future is looking scary as hell. It seems no way giving them traditional advice is going to prepare them for anything that they will be facing in the future. Scary indeed. 
You've been listening to The Expat Files, living in Latin America. If you need some help with your own Plan B, we can schedule a one-on-one phone or Skype consult. Just send me an email, theexpatfiles at gmail.com. And if you want to get on the waiting list for my next week-long expat insider seminar in Central America, where you're guaranteed to get a two- to five-year head start on your Plan B, send me an email, theexpatfiles at gmail.com. Nos vemos.